Hello and welcome to Misbehave, the podcast which explores human behavior in business and how it impacts people, performance and profit. The focus of this episode of the Misbehave podcast is change. Change is inevitable, whether it's forced change or elective change, it's a constant in your business and getting change management wrong can be catastrophic. In this discussion, we explore understanding the dominant change behaviors in your business, the challenges associated with change that relates to identity and purpose and how vital it is to get your communication right. Let's misbehave. Welcome back to the Misbehave podcast. You're here with Laura and Sarah. And today we are going to talk about all things change. This is sort of our bread and butter. And it's what we do most with businesses on varying scales from huge business change like restructures and acquisitions through to smaller pieces of change, you know, changes in processes changes in reporting structure, all of that. But kind of across the board, regardless of what that change looks like and what the scale is, the reason that we see why most change management initiatives fail is because they come from the standpoint of assuming that because you change something structural or you change something strategic, that people are going to just get on board with that change. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. People really overcomplicate change. You know, you only have to look up change management strategies to see how many models and methods there is for this. But essentially, company-wide change, department-level change, however big the change is, it is just individual change on a bigger scale. So in any change management scenario, if you can look at how you can get individuals in your business to buy into a change, that will then result in company-wide change. Yeah. And I think the often change is being driven and discussed and innovated at the top level. And they we see a lot with leadership teams where they've been working on a piece of strategic change for maybe a number of months. And obviously you then eat, sleep and breathe that piece of change. You've thought it through, you've researched it, you've tested it, you've talked about it. And then the day arrives where you decide to roll it out. And you almost, because you're then so sure it's going to work and you're excited about the launch of it, it's often, we see, it's the first time that the rest of the business gets to see that piece of change. And then the implementation of that change can often get stalled. So you can have the best preparation. So one of the things that we often encourage people to do is to get people to contribute to a piece of change as early as you possibly can so that teams get chance to we call it weigh in but where they get chance to weigh in and add ideas and thoughts and sense check it and pressure test ideas before the rollout stage so then when they get to rollout stage it's not the first time they've heard of it and you can almost sort of prepare people for the change now obviously we know in some circumstances that's not possible if you're working on something that's highly confidential like an acquisition or where you really, where potentially it might be resulting in job changes or redundancies or you can't always do that. But where you can, we know that that does increase the success of the implementation phase of change and getting people to roll it out and buy into it uh, post-launch. Yeah, absolutely. That sort of way in to buy in phrase is a really, really good one to think about because if you want people to buy into it, more often than not, you're going to want them to weigh into that process. So the first thing that we would look at whenever we're looking at change in a business and getting people to individually buy into that change is 
How are your people motivated when it comes to change? There's usually three categories. So people who are more sameness driven, who actually are not driven by change, they're driven by things remaining the same, by the status quo, by maintaining what they're doing, by a feeling of comfort and surety and stabilization, tradition, all of those tried and tested. That's that's that end of the scale. The complete opposite end of the scale is what we call difference. Now, I'm just going to make the the differentiation between difference and different. We're not saying different here. We're saying difference, radical, just just driven by change for change's sake, to be honest, a lot of the time. Radicalization, want to be first to market, want to try everything new, won't want things to remain the same for very long, rapid change, that end of the scale. And then your sort of midpoint is what we would call evolution. So people who are engaged with change when change is for improvement sake. Now, depending on where they sit on that evolution scale, some of them will just buy into a change if you, as long as they see the improvement. Others will be happy to be the drivers of some of that change, but it's the improvement loop through that you want to be looking for. So when we go into the businesses, the first thing that we'll look at is what is your split of people? Most businesses have a range. Most businesses have at least one person in each of those categories. If you're a scaling business, the likelihood is that you have more evolution people in that business. But, you know, we we need some of all of these in certain roles where 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 they'll fit. But it's your your change strategy and how you communicate is going to be slightly different depending on the the skews of that group. Yeah. And this is really interesting because with this pattern, the obviously how people talk, you can pick things up um, and how they the pace in which they talk so usually you'll find if you're further up the difference end of the scale it can feel quite fast paced and a little bit whirlwindy they'll whirlwind in with a new idea leave go out come back they might have changed their idea the next day the bottom end of the scale if you can imagine if if difference is talking about change to someone on the bottom end of the sameness scale they will feel very radical and almost it, it can often leave sameness people in a bit of a flux and it can sometimes spin people out unnecessarily. So we, you know, we talk about flexing the way that you communicate change depending on your behaviour. Now, if you sit in the middle in your evolution, the likelihood is you'll be able to flex up and down easier. So we often say those people that sit in the middle are the best sort of change ambassadors, the people who will be able to pull the sameness people up a little bit to have a bigger appetite for improvements and looking at how that impacts them and, and and really being able to communicate that better than someone potentially who's at the top end of the different scale who maybe is the innovator in the business, the person who's driving the transformational change, but they're not always the best person to talk about the change if you're wanting to influence people to get on board. And I think it's difficult. I mean, we could talk about this pattern for like a week. So we're going <laughs> to give you some sound bites, of, 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 uh, some tips around how to spot this stuff. But ultimately, it's about appreciating that everybody is different when it comes to change. Sometimes people who are more sameness, they're perfect in roles that are repetitive, where there's not as much variation. We need some of those people often in certain types of roles and businesses, but they can feel like they're blockers of change. Again, we're just going to reference the misbehave bit. If someone is a blocker, but is super negative and very disruptive and causing a big stir, 
for me, that's misbehavior. That's not someone who's sameness, but someone who's sameness might find it more difficult. They'll need more nurturing to get on board with the change. Often the people who have more evolution, they'll dive in if they know the improvements and they understand the benefits of for, to the business uh, and what's going to what the positive results are of that change. So yeah, that's the that's the change behavioral pattern that is such a big influence on driving change, implementation of change, and I know we're going to come on to communication of change. Yeah, and it's actually a really interesting one to look at. We've got quite a few few clients who grow through acquisitions, and it's an interesting one to look at pre acquisition if you've got the you know depending on what the due diligence process looks like for you. But you know if you've got a business for example that's sca- that's scaling and is pretty acquisitory, it's going to be much more difficult if you acquire a business that has a large proportion of sameness people in it. Unless you're acquiring the business for clients or structure and you're not planning on keeping people, as an example. Because actually integrating a lot of sameness people into a business that's high evolution will be really, really tricky. And it might stunt the ongoing scaling process. So that it's actually a really, really good pattern to look at if you are acquisitory in nature. Yeah. So that's the first piece. That's the bit we'd always do as a starting point is looking at what your split is. You know, if you're driving a lot of change, you are going to want a skew towards evolution. Like Sarah said, you're going to need some people in that sameness role to steady the ship a little bit, to do some of those more repetitive roles. But you are going to want a proportion of of evolution people and probably a couple of different people thrown in there to drive some of that as yeah. well. What we don't, what we're not able to do in this podcast, just ref- prefacing this with the listeners, is that we're not expecting you to be experts of change after this podcast. <laughs> we just want you to stop for a moment while you're listening and have a think about where do you think the split is in your business? Do yeah. you feel like there's a huge appetite for change and there's too much of it and you don't get a chance to do the day job or sometimes it can be a little bit too impulsive? Do you feel like there's not enough and actually the business is stagnating and you're worried about um, the business sort of sitting in a marketplace that's going to pass you and, and it could actually be really bad for the growth of the business um, or sustainability of the business? Or do you feel like you've got you've got the right mix of people across across the business? So it's just to get you to think about this yeah. Um, yeah. in relation to, to where you currently are and in your role currently. And the next piece to look at really, and this is this is more of a, it's an interesting watch out area because all, in addition to the behavioral stuff, we also use some, some models, specifically one around levels of change, but there's certain types of change that can be trickier to manage and require special attention. And those are ones that either are linked to someone's identity, usually that's linked to job title, or are linked to somebody's sense of purpose. So if you're changing someone's job title and it's drastically different, so for example, we've had some clients where they might have changed a job title from customer service to sales exec. That's, from an identity perspective, quite a big shift for people to make because if they wear that job title and some of their behavioural patterns will determine how much they wear the job title, and they feel like they're providing a service to customers. And we then flip that into a sales role without reconfirming the purpose behind the role. Often that sales and customer piece jars that they then feel like they're selling to a customer, but not providing them with a service. So it's interesting to think about, you know, we've had other things where you might have people who are field driven. And then we've had lots of businesses recently streamlining. I think COVID 
COVID taught us that actually lots of things can be done remotely. And we've seen lots of our clients and other businesses bringing people in from the field into an office and there's been job title changes. And again, if you've ever worked in a field-driven role, often people are, are re- really resonate with the identity of being in the field, being on the, ro- on the road, seeing customers face-to-face, going out and providing physical fixes for things. That's an identity shift. So when it comes to changes in job titles or changes in purpose, it's really important that you realign the purpose behind that so that people can resonate with it. You know, we had an example recently where we had a business who brought people, changed changed a field engineer role essentially and the field engineers yes they resonated with the job title one but they also resonated with the purpose of being able to go out and provide physical fixes to customers the shift was to bring them in-house and actually be able to provide virtual fixes now they saw that from a purpose perspective of actually not being able to provide the same level of customer service. And actually all it needed was a realignment of thinking because yes, it was a, a cost exercise. Yes, it was a streamlining exercise. But actually when they realigned the, the purpose behind it and the purpose was actually to be able to fix things for customers quicker because actually a virtual fix was often a lot, lot quicker than an, than an in-person one. So once that purpose was realigned, and their identity was realigned with a new job title, suddenly that change embedded so much quicker. And, you know, there's a there's a limit to sometimes what you can and can't do. But I think ultimately what we want is motivated people at work. And if you can connect change to what motivates someone yeah. and ensure that the connection is still there, so whether it's to the purpose, but also just what, were, what did they start the job for in the first instance? What's their connection to that job role? And making sure that, you know, ultimately we're in it. We're in an environment where, in a world where change is inevitable. That's the one thing we can guarantee personally and professionally. Change is is on the horizon. And it's about making sure that you help where you can people to still understand what the purpose is, but also what how that links to their motivation. And that is sometimes tricky to do if you're doing it in big groups or big businesses where there's big, you know, doing that individually is tricky. But I think, um, you know, if someone isn't motivated, then that's, it doesn't matter what you do with them if their motivation levels are low. So it's about addressing that and looking at it and reconnecting them with with the job role or the job title. And I know, you know, we're we're in a world where we are looking for efficiencies and productivity and we've been in some big conversations with some, some of our networks around, you know, digitalizing supply chain and looking at driving efficiencies in businesses where that could result in, for example, a business having to reduce jobs. But it's about looking at how do you then upskill and realign people in different areas of the business. So, you know, sometimes productivity, increasing productivity can actually mean job changes for people as an example. And that is that's quite a difficult communication piece from a leadership team standpoint to do. But we've got to evolve. Businesses have got to evolve in order to, to to grow, sustain, be able to, you know, support their employees too. And um, and I think some of the things that we've been looking at over the last few years have been really tricky because they have been as a result of forced change forced through change. COVID yeah. and through, you know, impact of Brexit and a, a real sort of flux and environment, which means that a lot of business have been actually they haven't had a choice it's either that or you know the the business wouldn't be able to survive and I think 
you know, I think we're going to we're going to look a little bit into that force change versus um, elective change because there is a big difference. So even when people really love change, so they may be at the difference end or if the evolution and they like change for improvement's sake, force change can sometimes spin people in a way that is very different because it's not a, it's not by choice. I know we've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but it's really important to make the sort of the acknowledgement that for some people, they will respond better to force change than others. And I think for businesses currently, often at the top, they're having to make decisions at the top level. Sometimes they can't always communicate all of what's going on at the top all the way through the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that force change, you can't just assume because someone's high evolution, for example, or high difference that they're going to get on board with force change. It, it requires a whole other strategy. I think when it comes to elective stuff, a really good sense point on what you just said there is, if you've ever read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm. the whole premise of that is what's in it for me. You know, it's, there's a really lovely thought process that all of your team buy into the bigger company vision and all of that. But ultimately, people are driven by what is in it for them personally. So that can be a good sense check when you're rolling change out. And it's more difficult to do when it's forced. But if it's elective change, having a think about for each level of change in the business what is in it for them personally how do you make it motivating to them we did some stuff having a little look at the if you think about the NHS as an example um and rolling out as something as simple as a print change management program so helping to do less printing in the business if you just said we want you to print less and we're going to get x and cost savings and you've got nurses or doctors on a busy ward, that's not what's in it for them. They're not motivated by the entire NHS is going to make cost savings. If you can relate the change to, for example, we'll be able to provide more beds, we'll be able to increase doctors' salaries, we'll be able to provide better patient care. That's the stuff that people usually doing those types of jobs are interested in. So it's about that, just that cross-check of thinking about each layer each job type, each department, what's in it for them personally? Because usually with most change, you can you can spin that reflection on it. Yeah. And, that, you know, we do quite a bit of work with uh, B Corp businesses now. And, you know, there's a lot of emphasis in those types of businesses around impact on community, impact on sustainability, and actually looping through the change and linking them to those kind of outputs can actually be the very thing that motivates someone to take action and buy into it. So there's some really interesting stuff going on now um, in businesses that are driving significant changes within the business. But if they hadn't linked it to a purpose, the wider purpose, uh-huh, isn't it? it's a wider purpose. So it, it's absolutely critical that we get better at doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of brings us on to the comms piece, because <laughs> often businesses think through lots of these different strategic things. And kind of like Sarah said at the beginning, usually as a leadership team, you'll have gone through Lots of thinking, lots of planning when it comes to rolling out change. And often the bit that people get wrong is then the comms piece of it. Mm. And in all honesty, it feels complicated, but it's not that complicated. It's probably far less complicated than some of the strategic planning processes that businesses and leaders go through to get to the point of change. So the first, I mean, God, we could do like days on comms and we will do subsequent podcasts and episodes on communication specifically but really the first point around this is just not to assume that just because if you feel like your business has lots of high evolution people maybe even a couple of difference people 
not to assume that it then doesn't matter how you communicate change because they'll just get on board with it. Because sometimes that's not the case. They still need certain language. They still need a particular structure to it. So if you have rolled out change, if you can think about it like this, you've recently rolled out change and it didn't go very well and you're fairly confident that you've got a high proportion of evolution and difference people, you might need to look at what are the other dominant behaviours in the business and did you communicate in that way? Because that's the tricky bit and that's the bit where when we do change for businesses, we'll often say, let us do a behavioural assessment of your entire business because that will show us the pockets. You know, it'll show us, oh, you've got 90% procedure people in here. They're going to need a procedure for the change or you've got 90% big picture people here. They're just going to need the vision. Yeah. And some of it is just for for the listeners who may be thinking, well, what would I need to do? Think about the mediums of change too, of the communication. Like, are you doing, sometimes you need to do a, a communication at the same time for everybody to hear or listen. Video is a great way of doing that, getting people to jump on, you know, a Teams call or a, a Zoom call recording that so that it's a consistent message we talk a lot about the cascading of change so if you've made decisions at the top are all the managers then cascading that information through in a consistent manner looping back and then putting it out on you know intranets or newsletters or reaffirming the change but also discussing that you appreciate it's a it it's going to have to happen over a period of time now sometimes a, a system change has to happen instantly and it needs to happen straight away but then reinforcing and embedding the pieces of change over a period of time afterwards is really important and you can do that in lots of different ways because one size does not fit all as, as we say all the time so for me personally I want to hear it I want to I want someone to tell me I want to I want to watch them I want to watch a video I don't want to read a lot of information about a piece of change but I am very different to someone who's more detail orientated they might want the background and they might want to read it and sometimes you have to do it in a number of ways in order for it to land and hit people in in the right way. And that's where the behavioural stuff becomes so magical because you can do the trial and error process. You can and people have done it and it works, but it takes a long time. And often you're dragging people through the mud because to create a piece of comms in every possible way that people could need it to be motivated is a a lot of work, a lot of trial and error. You know, if you can just know what the dominant behaviours are in your business and communicate according to those, you are much more likely for that to embed quicker. One thing I would say, just to give you a bit of insight into Laura and I, is um, we're both kind of sit between that evolution and difference piece. We are a bit of a nightmare in relation to how much change we like. We both have a massive <laughs> appetite for change. And, you know, in, in, but it's an important point in the sense of you have people in a leadership team who love change. It can feel a little bit yeah, chaotic for yeah. some of the team members and the, some of the uh, third party people that we work with, some of our suppliers, because we do. We do have a massive appetite for it. So we actually, you know, uh, uh, I'm just going to reflect back onto our last board meeting. You know, we actually got told, right, enough change, ladies. We need to just look at embedding some of the If our non-exec is listening to this, yeah. he helps balance us out. He so does. thanks, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, it's really interesting when you look at the makeup of appetite for change across a leadership team or a board. It is good to have a mix just to make sure that the business isn't continually in a state of flux or change. One of our sweet spots, I think, for uh, client work is, is often where 
businesses are scaling fast or they and they might have won a big contract and that you know where suddenly they've got a um they've got to employ a lot more staff and recruit and and embed that change for the people who are already existing in the business like this is it's it's big stuff and um it's really nobody i mean there's lots of books out there for leadership around how to how to manage change but it is tricky. It's a tricky subject for leadership teams, but also for the employees within the business. I suppose what we're saying is, is that, you know, this is such an important subject because people will leave. They will leave a business if this isn't done right. And for people who really love driving change, if they don't get an opportunity to do that, they'll leave to go and be able to drive change somewhere else. So this stuff is super useful from a point of view of motivating your staff and looking at how can you help them digest and get on board with inevitable change across your business and for them not to feel stressed and worn out or anxious um, or bored at the other end of the scale. Yeah, absolutely. So we will do more on this. This is like our hot topic and and we are going to, in season two of the podcast, really contextualise some examples and go really deep on some of these topics. So stay tuned for that. But some little tips that you can look at today. So first thing is to take a step back and think about those dominant change motivations in your business. Where do you think they sit? What what are the proportions of sameness, evolution and difference? That in itself will give you an indication of the appetite for change and how much you can expect to drive. Secondly, just be particularly cognizant and cautious of change that relates to a change in purpose or a change in identity for somebody. We're super cognizant of the fact that as leaders in businesses, you are time poor and you can't get everything right and you can't focus on everything. So when you're rolling out change, if you can really focus in on those two pieces, they are likely to be the ones that are the most challenging. So it's being cautious of that and making sure that you reaffirm that purpose or change of identity. And then lastly, if you recognize that you roll change out, and it hasn't gone how you thought, but you're fairly confident you've got a good appetite for change in the business, look at your comms style and consider whether actually it's not the change that's spinning people or it's not the change that people are disengaging with. It's actually the way that it's being communicated and rolled out that might be the challenge. Thank you for choosing to listen to the Misbehave podcast. Hit the subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.